Welcome to this podcast where we are going to be talking about things that you're saying that are cock blocking your sales. This is going to call a lot of people out, a lot. And I get that. I understand that. Uh, It's going to call a lot of women out. I mean, this podcast is designed for you ladies anyway, but there's a lot of women who are still holding themselves back so much in the language that they use, the things that they're saying, the way that they're saying it. And this is 100% going to be affecting your sales. 100%. Especially, like this doesn't matter whether you write your marketing content, whether you speak your marketing content on video, like however you communicate your message with the world, how you communicate that in terms of the words that you're using, the punctuation that you're using, the intonation that you're using, will either be making you money or costing you it. Yeah, I said it. And so there are some criminal mistakes <laughs> that I see. And I'm, I'm not going to call, mm, am I? I probably am. I'm probably going to call a lot of you out. But it's coming from a place of love. I want you to know that up front. And I also know that I would have been guilty of this too when I was earlier in my sales career. And so these are things that I have been, I've done a lot of training around, endless sales courses, speaking courses, um, all the things. And I was around a lot of people who were really good at sales, um, a lot of males who aren't taught a lot of this limiting or politeness, you know, all of this limiting language. Men just don't use it. They just say what they want to say and they get to the point. And so combination of being around a lot of men who were selling and a lot of confident salespeople when I was just a beginner and I was constantly listening to how things were being said. And so this has been something that's been ingrained in me. And this is why I want to share it with the world, because I see so many women still holding themselves back so much in the way that they are trying to sell. And at the end of the day, you can have the best offer in the world and have a whole room full of perfect fit clients. But if you can't get your message across in a way that shows confidence and certainty, your message ain't going to land. Right? Right. People don't buy vagueness. They don't buy gray areas. They don't buy a lack of clarity. People buy certainty. So if you're not giving certainty... This is why your sales aren't where you might hope that they are or what you're capable of, right? So we're going to get into some things that you're saying that are cock blocking your sales. Let's dive straight in. Okay, let's get into, (laughs) I've explained a little bit about my own background, but I really just want to hammer that point home. Directness in language is essential, directness in language, the way that you're saying things, the way that you're communicating things, and just your ability to cut the fluff. Oh my God, the way that some ladies, and I totally understand that this is an upbringing thing. You know, we've been taught to be polite, be nice, be kind, don't say what you think, or don't be seen as too bossy or too loud, be a nice girl. And that has just built so much fluff into our language and the way that we speak because we're so worried about ruffling feathers. But you have to admit that when you look around at the women who are killing it, they all say what they want to say. They speak with directness. They speak with zero fluff. They speak with clarity. They speak with certainty. They are more happy saying short to the point sentences than 10 page or like five paragraph wordy as you know, it's just, you need to cut that out. You need to cut that out. 
It's not taking five paragraphs to say something that could have been said in two sentences. All right? So it's not your fault that we've been brought up that way. It is still a societal thing about how we raise women. But it is your responsibility to fix it. Okay? So I'm just going to point out some things that are quite common in the way that I see people selling. And then we can move past how to cut that out. So... Things like, right, this first one, this isn't a thing that you're saying. This is a way that you're saying it. And this is so many women. And I will also put my hand up here and say I've been guilty of this. Because when I was in London, let me say what it is first. Rising at the end of your sentence. So when you rise at the end of the sentence, what you're doing is posing it as a question, not a statement. So when you go, da-da-da-da-da, but it's not a question, what happens is, because you made it sound like a question, what you're you're seeming to ask your audience for a response, even though what you were saying didn't warrant a response. So it doesn't matter how confident you are in the offer, because you chose to rise at the end where that should have been a full stop and you should actually go down, because going down in your um, intonation... Down implies certainty. Let me just say that sentence. So if I rise at the end of my sentence, if I go down, I pose it like a question. Hang on. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. Rising at the end of your sentence. If I go down, I pose it like a statement. But if I go up, I pose it like a question. You see how I did that? You say that again. When I rise at the end of my sentence... I pose it like a question, but when I rise, when I go down at the end of the sentence, I say it as a statement. You know, that going up versus going down changes the meaning of the sentence. And there's a lot of ladies who will go up at the end of every sentence. And it doesn't matter where you're from, like the US ladies, you are 100% guilty of this. My Aussie ladies, you are also guilty of this. And my UK ladies, and I was in this category when I was in London, I was around a lot of Aussies, and because they go up, I was like, oh, that sounds cool, and I just <laughs> kind of, like, adopted it. And so I, a lot of my sentences, I've had to kind of be aware of this, because what I don't want is to be posing every statement like a question. So, ladies, think about how you say things. Are you going up at the end? Because if so... That's something that's actually creating doubt in your audience because you, you shouldn't be going up. So that's only for questions. And you're saying a statement and you stand behind it with certainty and you want to create that certainty in your audience. You need to be going down at the end. Okay, so that bit out of the way. Let's get on to some specific things that you're saying. Every time you say, just popping on to say, every time you go on stories, my God. If people got a penalty every time they did this, we would cut this out real quick. If you had to put a pound in the jar for every time people said this, goodness. So just popping on to stay, to say, nah, you're not popping on. You're a business owner. You're coming to sell. Like you're not popping anywhere. What are you doing? You're making it sound like a hobby. Like, oh, I just thought I'd show up today. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. But you're telling your audience that what you're about to say isn't important. Why would you be doing that? Hmm? Hmm. (laughs) stop that be coming like every single bit of gold that is about to fall out of your mouth is liquid gold yeah 
If you were saying, right, every single message I'm about to share is intentional and is important, and here's why you need to hear it today, you wouldn't be starting it with just popping on, would you? Nah, no, you wouldn't. Similarly, adding the word just into your sentence. Just is a limiting word. What you're saying by adding, it's just this, is limiting the impact of whatever follows that word. It's just so-and-so, it's just this, it's just that. You're making whatever that is sound smaller and less important. So again, you're taking the power out of the sentence just by adding this word. (laughs) So be mindful of how you add or don't just into your sentences, all right? Number three, over-apologizing. Again, common trait in women because we've been told to like not talk too much, not say too much, be seen as nice, be polite, but stop over-apologizing. You don't need to say sorry in either like your messages, your client messages, your prospect messages, your emails, your DMs. Every time you say sorry, what you do is lose authority in that conversation. So where as the seller, you should be the one that has like the authority in that conversation. If you're saying sorry, you're taking yourself down a peg, which can absolutely affect whether that conversation results in a client or not. And what I'm not saying is don't say sorry if you weren't in the wrong. What I'm saying is don't say sorry for things that aren't, they don't require an apology. Yeah? If, you're, if someone's got back to you and they're direct, if you were to say sorry to someone who is just to the point, they're going to lose a little bit of respect for you because they can see that you're not, you're limiting yourself. You're not direct or just saying what you feel. You're being like, oh, sorry about that. Yep, yeah, sorry, sorry. And straight away, you've positioned yourself as a people pleaser rather than someone who's confident in what they're doing. So be mindful of that. If you're over-apologising... The message that you're giving forward is, um, I'm not certain. I'm not certain, I'm not confident, um, and I'm willing to put everybody else before myself. I get that you're probably listening to this and being like, oh my God, the message that I'm giving out with a single word. And whilst I don't want you to come away from this being like, holy shitbags. <laughs> I've been cock-blocking myself with every use of this word. Like, I'm sending you love, but yeah. (laughs) I also don't want to question this to be like, no, it's not that bad. Like, it is. To someone who's already confident and is looking for someone to invest in, they'll be looking for that level of confidence, certainty, and directness. So if you're not giving that, and you're using language where you're over-apologizing, using the word just, and then going on your story saying, just popping on to say honey, they're not going to invest because it's clear that you're playing small by using this language. So people don't want to invest in people that are paying small because it shows that you're not, either the business hasn't grown or you haven't grown as a person. People want people who have already done the inner work to be able to really back themselves and to know what they bring to the fucking table. So this is <laughs> this was meant to be a lighthearted episode and we are just like, Bring your shit to the table and stand the fuck behind it. Whoosh! Yeah! (laughs) This is firing me up. I'm so... Ah, love this. Okay, a few more of these. 
saying I think, you're like, God damn. Yep. Every time you say, I think that, what you're saying is, I don't know that. You should know. If you don't know, you shouldn't be saying it. So whatever follows the statement, I think, you've made it sound like it's just a guess or an assumption. It's not something that you know as fact. Because if you knew it as fact, you'd say, I know that, or it is. You know, words that imply certainty. So every time you say, I think that, you've lost me. Nah. I'm like, I don't want to buy from someone who's just thinking. Like, I want you to have gone through the thought process and have an outcome, a decision, a belief, a how you feel about that. Unless it's an opinion, in which case you could still phrase it of the reason that I believe this is rather than I think that. (laughs) See, there's ways of bringing certainty, even if it's something that you do think. Yeah, so just be careful with how you phrase that. Um, Next one. Finishing your sentence with, if that makes sense. Oh my God. (laughs) So many people. So many people won't just finish a sentence with a full stop. And you know, it's so much more awkward because some people will just flow into it and it will be the end of the sentence straight away. Almost like impulsivity to just finish the end of the sentence with, if that makes sense. Sometimes you can hear that the sentence has ended and there'll be a pause And then the cushioner of, if that makes sense. Ah, (laughs) this is killing your sales. Because again, what it said is you finished your sentence, you'd said what you'd got to say, and then you felt awkward in that gap. So you had to blurt out if that makes sense in case, like you were obviously worrying that someone may not have believed in that statement that you've just said or that they might have a different opinion, or that they might be judging you for it. You weren't in your power. You weren't standing behind that sentence. Say what you've got to say and say it with your whole chest, lady. Mm-hmm. Because when you say, especially if it's something bold or, or like something that is a fact, like the way that you do things, for example... Um, so I'm speaking about Sold Out Sales Academy at the moment. Imagine if I ended my sentence with, the reason that I have this six-step framework is that I take clients through this process because this is the way I, I prefer to teach you sales before I teach you launching so that you have already built up momentum before launching your one-to-many offer, if that makes sense. Like, can you imagine? Of course it makes sense. And quite frankly, even if it didn't, like, I will just say the sentence differently next time. trust that it makes sense trust that your audience who are listening to you aren't stupid they can figure it out for themselves like trust that people hear you and know the intention that you said the sentence with even if it wasn't word perfect stop adding if that makes sense it did (laughs) okay the next one hopefully hopefully should not be coming anywhere in your language ever. This is a a hard ban, a serious red flag. Hopefully is a banned word. Up there with sorry. In fact, it's higher than sorry. It's a high banned word. Why are you hoping? Why? (laughs) 
<laughs> you should know. This, again, going back to certainty. If Imagine if I said, buy my programme, hopefully it's really good for you. Can you imagine? Like, you'd be like, what do you mean, hopefully? And you you'd then doubt either me or the programme because I wasn't sure whether it would be good for you. I wasn't speaking with certainty of saying, this is my programme and it will be amazing for you because... So if I'm saying hopefully, the message that I'm actually giving as the salesperson here is that I haven't listened to what your needs are as a business owner or as someone coming to me interested in my services. By saying hopefully, I'm saying that I haven't properly taken the time to understand you, your business, your needs and your wants, your challenges, and then to pitch my offer. Because if I had taken the time to ask the right questions and fully understand your business, then I would know. And if it wasn't the right fit, well, I would know the better offer to point you in the direction of that would be a right fit. So what I'm saying with, if I was to use the word hopefully, again, I'm moving from a place of I'm not in clarity, I'm not in certainty. So banned word, don't do that. Move from a place of certainty. Please let me know. So this is for the ladies who um, either follow up in DMs or send client emails Anywhere where you're either getting back to people, replying to people, following up with people. If you end it with, please let me know. Again, it's a weakener. You lose your power in that situation. You are, should be the one that is leading the conversation, hosting the conversation. Um, and ultimately, like it lies with you. But when you say, please, what you're doing is asking for permission. So you're asking for permission from the other person. Therefore, they have the power in the conversation. So you've just given away your power because you're asking them to let you know if it's okay. So, uh uh-uh, no, it's a no from me. (laughs) So ways to do that if you are wanting to give the statement of let me know is A, don't use the word please. You know, you're not asking someone for permission here. What you're saying is get back to me. So take the word please out and you can just lead with the verb, let me know, or as soon as you can let me know is a great way of doing it because then you're moving the emphasis on the sentence so that it's not on the please get back to me, you're moving it onto um, the next action that's going to follow after they've let you know. So if you were to say, as soon as you can get back to me, we can move, you know, book in your kickoff call, for example. As soon as you can let me know, I'll be able to send over X, Y, Z so that we can get started. As soon as you let me know, I'll be able to send over the contract and invoice and we can start next week if you'd like. Yeah. So by doing that and having that as soon as, A, you're giving a bit of a a time frame for them to move. Um, You're not posing it as a question. There's no please in there. It's the assumptive language of this is going to happen. I'm not asking you if it's going to happen. It is going to happen. We both know if it's a great fit, you're obviously going to come on board. Why wouldn't you? So it is going to happen. We're going to assume the yes and just move straight over the whole yes or no in this conversation. We're assuming it's a yes. And if it is a yes, here's what the next steps look like. Because then for your buyer, you're taking a bit of the energy away from the big decision of is this a yes or a no or hopefully by this point it is a yes if you've done your due diligence in your content and in the sales conversation beforehand then 
you'll know whether it's a yes or no. Um, but that barrier of yes or no, that kind of final, are they coming on board? Are they not? If you can minimize how big of a deal that is, then it's just easier for everybody. So by saying, as soon as you can let me know, we can do this, and you bring in something that they want, then it makes life a lot easier. If you're saying, as soon as you can let me know, I'll be able to send over the onboarding questionnaire and book in the first call. Well, now they're thinking about filling out that questionnaire and having the first call in their diary. So they're already thinking about the reality of working with you, not the yes or no. Like you've moved them over that. We've limited, you know, brought it down. The, we've made it not a big deal. We've assumed that that is going to happen. And if it does happen, here's what the next steps or next week looks like and how soon we can get started. So you've moved over something that can be a, a little bit of a hump into something that's exciting and something that they want. So don't be saying, please let me know. We're going to move with certainty. We're assuming it is already a yes if we've got to this point. And here's what after the yes looks like. Um, over explaining your point is another one. Again, if you're taking five paragraphs to say something that could be said in one, uh-uh. Um, what I will say is LinkedIn is a really great way for training yourself out of this um, tendency. If you, have, if you do have this tendency to just write or read or speak reams of information <laughs> without getting to the point, LinkedIn will train you out of this. Because the way that people structure posts on there is very bingeable. It'll be sharp hooked to be the beginner so that people click read more. And then it will go on and it's short, punchy sentences that take the reader on a journey to a short, punchy sentence that ends in the conclusion and then some sort of call to action or next step or question. When you post five paragraphs on LinkedIn, ain't nobody reading it. So great little way of training yourself out of that skill. The same with... I feel like Instagram stories used to be better at this because when it was the 15 second slides, you didn't have time for fluff. Like you needed to get to the point quickly because people would just be like, bing, 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 bing. But when they move to 60 second stories, well, all of a sudden people have got all this time. And now what they do is take their goddamn time to get to the point. And I'm like, honey, They've only got to click once on that slide and they might have missed 50 seconds of what you're about to say. So it doesn't matter how much value you packed into the last 15, 20, 30 seconds of that slide. If you weren't value packed all the way through, they've missed it. So you can't be taking ages to get to the point or dilly daddling around. Like be direct, bring value, cut the shit, get to the point. People are busy. Stop being so assumptive of their time that they've got chance or time to listen to you with your 10-part story. Nah, -uh, honey, there needs to be absolute gold on every single slide or at least something bingeable. So if you're coaching, teaching, giving value, make sure there is a lot of value on every single slide. Yeah, I said it. This is how you create a really good um, response with your audience. If you're noticing that your story views are low, it's because either you're not bringing a lot of value to every slide or it's not yet bingeable. I mean, we've talked about bingeable content and I'll probably do an episode that is specifically on Instagram stories, but my engagement on stories is always super, super high and that's because they're very bingeable. I get to the point, I give value, I give bingeable behind the scenes into my own like lifestyle, personal life, whatever. Um, and I make it very, like, people want to come back. 
And also, people, because I'm so consistent, if I miss a day, which I haven't, by the way, in... Uh, I looked at it. I think it was last September was the last time I missed a day on stories. Keep in mind that I've been on 15-hour flights and I've not missed a day on stories. So, some of you who are preaching consistency, who are not consistent. <laughs> so, back on point. Anyway, over-explaining your point. This is what's going to kill your story views. People want to learn, but they also want to binge. So, just get to your point, bring value, make your story something that they can't afford to miss. People associate you with someone that brings value every single day. And then lastly, this is kind of... Oh, wait, no, I've covered that one, if that makes sense. Ah, killer. So let me just do a recap of those. So we had rising at the end of the sentence, posing it like a question, not a statement. See what I did there? <laughs> when you say, just popping on to say, every time you go on stories or alive. Same if you go like, Hi guys, happy Wednesday. <laughs> what about that tells me that what you're about to say is important and I need to stick around? Hmm? No. Get to your point. You don't need to be like, hi guys, and wish them a happy day. Like, just get straight into it. Literally get straight into it. The reason that I'm showing up today is, or the reason I wanted to come and talk to you today is, or this has just happened on a client call, or somebody's asked me this question. Like, what are you sharing today? Get to that. Go. Adding just to your sentences. Over-apologising. Saying, I think that. Says that you don't know. <laughs> Finishing your sentence with, if that makes sense. It did. But it says that you didn't think that it did. So now we don't have confidence in you because you don't back yourself. Saying, hopefully. Mm-mm. Saying, please let me know. Asking for permission. Mm -mm. Um, Over-explaining your point. Mm -mm. People are bored. They are short on time. Like, if, even if you've got to say a lot of sentences, say this is your sales page or in an email, for example, at least bold the keywords so that the people who are skipping, because they are, at least be using bullet points and bold and italic so that the ones who are skim reading can just get to the point quickly. But as a, just a habit and a skill, write what you're going to say and then halve it. Maybe even halve it again for like big wordy pieces. Stop over explaining, get to the point. Less is more. And then lastly, finishing your sentence with, if that makes sense. Now there's one more that I'm going to cover. This isn't really um, in the same tone as the rest of them because those were specific pieces of either words or language that are cock blocking your sales. This next one is something that's cock blocking you in the business. <laughs> so I wrote this down because it's sort of along the same lines, but it's not. And this one is, I want to, but I don't have the money right now. Oosh. Oosh. <laughs> so when you say, I want to, but I don't have the money right now, what you're saying is, I'm limiting myself. Either I don't believe it's going to work or I don't believe in myself to make it happen. So I'm not going to move forward. So maybe this is more of a mindset thing. You're showing a limited mindset when you say this. So be mindful of that. That if you truly wanted to, you would find a way. But saying, I want to, but I don't have the money right now, is either a way for you to mask because 
what you're looking at or what you're about to move forward into is outside of your comfort zone. And what you're saying is I don't have the confidence to get out of my comfort zone right now. So again, you're aligning yourself as someone that doesn't back themselves. Or you're holding the business back because you don't have the belief that it's going to work or that you don't believe in yourself to make the thing work. So again, showing a lack of confidence. So just be mindful of every time that you tell yourself, I want to, but I don't have the money right now. You're giving a message to your brain that you don't back yourself and you're not worth it. And you absolutely are. You absolutely are. So be mindful of that. And look at ways where rather than saying, I had a really good uh, way of saying this. So rather than saying, I don't have the money or I don't have the answers. You can either say, I don't have the money yet. So by saying that, it's more of a fact of I don't have the money yet, but I'm working towards it. Rather than it being just a limiting statement. Or what you can say is to turn it into a question rather than it being a sentence. So rather than saying, I don't have the money right now, you could say, how can I get the money? So you could add that onto the end. So I want to, but I don't have the money right now, but how can I get the money? Because then your brain is looking at the opportunities. It's trying to suss out because it's heard a question of how can I get that? It's now looking It's thinking bigger picture. It's looking for opportunities. It's looking for the path rather than looking for the obstacle. If you might have heard me say this before, but there are downhill skiers. I can't remember who told me this analogy, but I love it. So there's downhill skiers. You know, the ones that like absolutely tank it down the hill, um, off piste, go in and out of the trees, absolutely flying, high speed. So they don't have time to think about what's in front of them. And there are a lot of trees. And if they make one wrong move, they're splat. The impact is going to be too hard, too fast. They probably wouldn't survive. And so where people will say things like, I don't have the money, what you're doing is cock-blocking yourself because you're looking at the obstacle. You're not looking at the opportunity. And so when these downhill skiers are coming down really, really fast, they don't have, if they were to concentrate on the obstacle, they would hit the obstacle. The obstacle being lots of trees in their way, moving towards them fast. So if they were to concentrate, you know how when uh, someone says, don't look at me right now, the first thing you want to do is look at them. Because the brain doesn't hear don't. It hears what the verb is. So even though someone says, don't look now, (laughs) you want to look now. And so if downhill skiers were to do that same thing of don't look at the tree, don't look at the tree, don't look at the tree, what are they going to do? They're going to look at the tree. And when they look at the tree, they're going to aim for the tree, not intending to, but they're going to hit the tree. So what they do is look for the path, look for the path, look for the path, look for the path. They literally look for the space between the obstacles and that's what keeps them alive. Just let that analogy sink in because if you were to spend more time rather than looking at the obstacles that were the trees and telling yourself how it's not going to work or how you don't have the money or you're not in the right place, if you were to spend more time looking at the path, your brain then would have to look for where are the paths, where are the opportunities, what do I have in front of me? Yeah? So spend more time looking for the path. Look for the path. Look for the path. Look for the path. Yeah? What if you were to say, 
I want to, and I'm currently finding the way to have the money right now. Hmm? How much more positive is that same sentence? How much more opportunity does it create rather than I want to, but I don't have the money right now? So I'm going to leave that little one with you. Look for the path. Don't look for the trees. All right, queens, summarising everything here. This episode has been on a, a whirlwind. We, I intended it to be like quite fun, silly. I, I feel like we've had a bit of a sermon here today. But I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got any questions at all, please send me a message on Insta. I'd love to hear what your thoughts have been around this episode. Because ultimately, I want to get you all selling in a super like direct, no shit, get to the point. You're clear. You provide clarity when you speak, clarity when you write. And it's just so much easier for people to come through and buy from you because you're sure in what you're saying. Yeah, the whole point of us taking all of these words and sentences and throwing them out to the side and you using short to the point sentences that don't have limits, unnecessary words, unnecessary endings, unnecessary intentions, uh, intonations, and you just speak and write with such clarity, it, people will notice People will notice you as someone that backs themselves, someone that's super confident, and it just allows them to have so much more confidence in you. Again, when you're building your six-figure business, whether you're scaling for the multi-six figures, you will move faster when you create certainty in your language. If you imply doubt in any way, people aren't going to buy. So keep that in mind. I'm also going to add in here, although this could be an entire other episode, that if you're using video content, you can imply doubt from the language that your body is saying, not your words. But that is a whole other minefield. I'll do a whole episode on that. (laughs) So this is purely about language, the way that you're speaking, the way that you're writing. So write with certainty, speak with certainty so that people can be like, yes, that is what I want. She is the one I want. And come through to buy with ease. All right, Queen. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you could share it on social media. Tag me, Sarah Buckland Coaching. And if you're someone that's like, right, I want to speak with such clarity, such certainty, and I really want to improve my sales so that I can scale to six figures even quicker and just be short, sharp to the point, get my message across, get it to land. Maybe this is about your offer messaging or it's just generally your sales and content messaging. You just want to tighten everything up and run a really tight ship so that you can scale your business quicker. My group program, Sold Out Sales Academy, is coming back soon. The waitlist is already open. The doors are going to be opening very soon. We'll be enrolling bef- this before Christmas and the group will be starting the first week back of January. So if you're thinking, right, I want to be part of a sales accelerator with someone that knows their stuff, um, has worked with a lot of clients inside this program before and just help them to massively grow their sales, launch new products, launch, launch their own group programs and really scale their sales and their confidence hop yourself on the waitlist. I've dropped the link here in the show notes. Um, Doors will be opening very soon, but if you're on the waitlist, you will get first dibs to be able to come on and get early bird pricing, as well as some special bonuses, including a one-to-one with me before the program starts. So letting you know that, hop yourself onto the waitlist. I will see you inside the waitlist. But if you enjoyed this episode, share it to your social media and I will speak to you soon, my loves. Toodaloo!